Hey everyone, welcome to Conversations with John and Lisa Bevere. And Lisa, we're coming back from a break. We did our celebration of 200 podcasts on Conversations. It is actually really hard to believe that we've done 200. I mean, we're going to run out of things to say soon. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You have so much wealth of wisdom in you. And we are celebrating in October of this year, da 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 da, 40 year anniversary for our being married together. Being married together. I know I didn't say that quite right. <laughs> okay. Forty year wedding anniversary. How's that's, that? That was, yeah. that was an interesting uh, advantage on that. It was. Maybe that's what happens after forty years. It's married together. It's not just being married. So, no, that is so much fun. And we were always teasing that we had something new coming up. And John, I've seen some people have already discovered it. It's a new podcast called At, At Home, Home with the Beveers. With the Beveers. And some people have asked me, uh, does that mean we're not doing conversations anymore? We're doing both. We're doing oh, conversations absolutely. with John and Lisa and at home with the Beveers. So, so really excited. at home with the Beveers more focuses on family. John and Lisa deal with marriage issues and with all other life issues, uh, things that Sorry. are relevant to to the times, <laughs> uh, concerns people are having. Uh, we just want to address those. It's a way of uh, I've had people tell me from all over the world, literally uh, different nations, we listen to your podcast. You're like a mom and dad to us. And so that's why we will not stop doing fresh there's conversations. No, there's absolutely no greater compliment. And then there is uh, another uh, uh, part of the family podcast that we do, and that's Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters. Yeah. So we want to remember that one. So, hey, I want to remind everyone, if you have not done this, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's so important because what happens is the message spreads wider and wider. And I think we're getting close to 10 million downloads on this show. That's that's just amazing when you think about it. We're somewhere close to that. So today, we're you know, we always tell you to rate, review, and subscribe uh, because your review just might get read. And today's a fun one. I love today. The the name, the name, we're going to spell it. Yep, yep. <laughs> Go ahead, babe. Okay, so the way we spell this person's name is I-U-T-R-W-S-H-J-B-X-A. I hope it's not a bot. I hope this is a real person. <laughs> I feel like it's a real person. But I, I feel too. like they're a person of mystery. Well, I'm looking at what they wrote, and they got to be a real person because no bot could write with such heart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. Love the leadership. I have seen Lisa at my church. I recently changed jobs and it and have an hour commute. So I listen to your podcast on a regular basis now. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you for all you do and your dedication to God and being a great example for marriage, being that my husband and I are in, in a difficult season. Okay. First of all, I love her transparency. I do too. And I want to say at the very start of this, a difficult season does not mean that you will forever have a difficult marriage. And why would we know that? Because that's part of our notes for today. <laughs> that is so true. That's so true. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, we, we first and foremost, we always wanted to say this to everybody. We don't want anybody to like get down or compare their marriage to our marriage. We have done marriage well. We have definitely not done it perfectly. We actually see our children doing it better than we did it, but we've been doing it longer. So we still get to speak to it. And we thought it would be really fun to actually go for different categories of things that we've learned over 40 years. And the first one is four things we learned 
in the last four decades. John, four do you want to open up with the first one? Well, yeah. And before I do, I do uh-huh. want to open with the first one. I want to say this, first of all, because I know there's people listening. When you say we've done it well, there were seasons that it seemed hopeless. Yeah. Absolutely seemed hopeless. But we were so committed to honoring God that we wouldn't run from it, close our hearts, but we faced the challenges. It was difficult. There were sometimes 18-month season, one season I can remember. It's amazing. It was just so difficult, and it seemed so hopeless. But God is the God of hope. Yeah. And so going into the four things we've learned the last four decades, number one, Lisa, is celebrate one another's strengths. Now, this wasn't easy at the beginning. No, it was. It was. We are dating. No, we are dating. We knew each other's strengths, but then we got married. Nope, not so much. No, we saw strengths are each other's strengths as being threatening, as making the other one feel insignificant, right? Uh, Not important. Uh, I think that's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, What else? Okay. So no, let's be. Let's go. Let's go specific. What was? I'll tell you. What was? I'll tell you one of the strengths that I've learned to celebrate rather than criticize when we are first married. First of all, you are very decisive. You are very visionary. And I sometimes felt ran over like, oh my gosh, we are just taking ground and I hope you come along with me. But if not, you will be a casualty. I am going to run you over as I pursue God. And, And I've learned to be able to celebrate, not the run over, but to celebrate the decisiveness, to celebrate the visionary, and to actually be able to say, you know what? John has this incredible strength. How can I celebrate his strength while at the same time saying, I'd love to go along with you? Can, can we do this? Be left behind. Yes, can we do this in a different way? And so, of course, you know, when it's a strength, when you're growing in it, you don't administer it very wisely. So in the beginning of our marriage, I would just say things, and basically Lisa felt like she had no input, no say-so, and I don't even know if we're supposed to go there. And as time went on, we began to learn how to administrate our strengths and how to not make our strengths threatening to the other, to the other person. And so, yeah, we, we learned. I learned that when it comes to understanding people, social intelligence— language. I always defer to Lisa. Uh, In the beginning, Lisa was editing some of my earlier books, and I saw her editing my books as, oh, you're weakening the message, or I don't like it that way, when in reality, Lisa was saying in a way that was much more palatable, didn't compromise the truth at all, but I didn't see it that way. I saw it as you being combative. Why did you ask me to edit your books then? Because I knew you were a really good writer. Oh, God. And until I got comfortable writing, I, I, I wanted your help with it, but yet I I argued with you so much. I well, remember. and I, in all honesty, I think I could have done it better because every single woman feels anointed to edit their husbands. They're like, oh, oh, honey, I could, I can tell you exactly how you should have said that. This would be <laughs> so much better if you would just say it the way I think that you would say it. And I do think that I possibly, uh, I mean, I was very diligent with it and I treated everything that you had written as though I was writing it. So, I mean, I 
was bought in on it and I, I didn't water it down or change it because I didn't want your voice to be he not heard. I wanted what you had to say to be heard. And I knew that the majority of Christian book readers are women. women. So I knew that it had to be able to be heard by women. And if women could hear it, men could possibly also hear it. But I don't know that I always did it correctly. I don't know that I always made it easy for you to actually see that. So. And, and I think that's <clears throat> the thing, if you go a little deeper to the root of it, sometimes when your spouse, spouse has a strength, you can look at it one of two ways. What a blessing for this union, because we are one. Or you can look at it as, wow, this is exposing my weakness. This is exposing my deficit. That's not true. God put that spouse with you because she will have strengths that you don't have. He will have strengths you don't have. And together, it makes you a better person. And when insecurity comes in play with either spouse, the wife or the husband, now all of a sudden, I'm threatened by the strength of my spouse. And you cannot do that. If, if I'd known right away, hey, John, there's just, there's, there's deficits in your abilities, in your social uh, interactions, and in, in, in on and on and on, and God's given you this amazing woman who's strong in these areas, this is a blessing for you. I saw it as a threat, and that, that's, that's something significant that I wish I would have learned early, like the first couple weeks of our marriage, not later on in our marriage. Well, and I've always loved the fact that you're strong in areas that I'm not strong in, and I'm strong in areas where you're not strong in, so that together we're both strong. Because it used to be that uh, it felt competitive, but as we grew together, we actually learned to appreciate one another's strengths rather than be threatened by it. So I'll, I'll tell you from a man's point of view, um, and this is this is something that I, I just need to say. Is this about me always winning at Monopoly Deal? <laughs> no, but men think to be the leader of the home, you have to know everything. You have to think of everything. You have to strategize everything. Instead of realizing that as a leader of the home, you take the responsibility of gathering what the other family members see, processing it, and making a wise decision. So in essence, if you see things that I don't see, it's not because I'm weak. It's a blessing. I need to bring that in to that final decision-making process. There would be times that I felt like we would spend our money, should spend our money somewhere or invest somewhere, and you didn't feel good about it. When I listened to you, it ended up protecting us. When you said, John, I feel really good about this, it we really flourished through it. And so um, I just think as, as men, I just want to say to you, you don't have to know everything to be the head of the home. You you can pull on on the giftings in your wife. I want to I want to ask you a question because I feel like you're making an exceptional point right now. So let's say Let's say the woman is better at paying bills on time and she's better at money management and better at, you know, making those financial decisions. Let's say that that's a situation for a couple. So the man, as a good leader, he recognizes that and delegates it. It doesn't make him less of a leader to not be responsible for everything. Actually, part of his responsibility is recognizing her gifting yes. and empowering her. So good leaders don't micromanage everyone. We know that. So good husbands don't have to micromanage their wives. Yeah. And and I know for a fact here, um, Lisa is an amazing cook. 
but oh, I'm a guy. He's become who, my sous chef. I'm a guy. I'm a guy who likes order and cleanly. Well, you like cleanliness. We both I do like, like cleanliness. cleanliness. But I, I love I make order. messes in the so kitchen. Here's the thing. I've I've embraced and I just thought, you know what? I'm I'm more of an organizer. So when it comes to organization, comes to cleaning up the kitchen, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, I know. I'm okay with you doing that. But I'm not going to sit there and go, well, I'm the man of the house. Men don't go in the kitchen. You know, the kitchen's the place for the women. That is so stupid. You know, that's a strength of mine. So I'm going to do it. You know, when we are first married, you and I always cooked together. And then when I started having kids, you were like, and I, I, I tag out, I tag out. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing bills during this. Okay. I want to go on to the attack the problem, not each other. So first thing, celebrate one another's strength. Yep. Second, attack the problem, not each, each other. other. Never say anything that will defame the character of your spouse is basically what we learned. That attacks, defames, weakens the character of your spouse. We attack the problem at hand. Yeah. So I want to give an example of that because I was not raised to attack problems. I was raised to attack people. Yeah. And so the truth is, if you're married, the other person is not your problem. That's your spouse. And so again, we're not talking about abusive situations where women's lives or their children are at risk. We're not talking about that. We're talking about building a marriage, what we have learned over 40 years. So I grew up where there was name calling. I grew up where there was character attacks. I grew up where to be honest with you, when I would have a confrontation, when my parents were correcting me or I listened to them fight with one another, I didn't even know what they were fighting about or what they were correcting. I just sensed so much animosity, rejection, shame, and hate that I often just remembered the layering of the emotion, not the lesson. And I remember, you know, I get married to you and all of a sudden I'm like, I called you a jerk or something and you're like, hey, hey, hey. We have a problem over here. Don't attack my character. Let's attack the problem. And it was a big shift in my mindset to see you and I sitting on the same side of the table and the problem on the other side of the table. That's a good way of Whereas putting it. I always saw the person on the other side of the table and I'm on the other side of the table and the problem's in the middle. And I think most couples see it that way. Problem in the middle, spouses on either side. You need to see the problem on the other side and you guys on the side together. So you can say, oh, that's my husband's problem. And I've heard so many women say this, especially when it comes to areas of pornography. They say, oh, that was my husband's problem. He brought it into our marriage. Well, guess what? If he brought a problem into the marriage, it becomes your problem too. And I'm not saying you're the cause of it, but I'm saying it is important that you align with him and fight for your marriage, fight for that thing to actually no longer have a hold in his life because when it has a hold in his life, it affects yours. And right. again, that's all whole nother conversation that would be a whole thing. So that but, animosity that you saw in your family, Lisa. Yes. It escalated probably very quickly. Oh, constant. Yeah. And it's probably from carrying things over. Oh, and also not having anything modeled for them that were constructed. Right. So forgiveness is a huge, huge, important aspect of marriage. And forgiveness, when God forgives us, he forgets. He says, I bury your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. I put them as far as the east is from the West. And that's what really causes us to not see the problem on the other side, but in the middle. Yeah. And, and I kept a record of wrongs 
Right. So I kept a record of wrongs because I felt like if I kept a record of wrongs in my marriage, it would keep me safe for my future. You need to pull it out. Yeah, I'd pull it out. some leverage. And and also just, I didn't want to give away my heart. So, oh my gosh, we are going to do four things we learned in the last four decades, and we've only tackled two. Let's jump on to the third one. Okay. You are happiest when you are mindful of your spouse not of yourself. Right. That's a really big one. So when you are thinking of others, rather than thinking how other people aren't doing enough for you, you will actually be happier. And when you are constantly thinking critically of your spouse and my spouse doesn't do this enough, they don't do this enough, they don't make the bed enough. I hear that from someone a lot. I'm just kidding. We've decided since it matters most to John that the bed is made, he gets to make the bed. Or... I do. We put the blame on Lexi. We do blame the dog. Yeah. But yeah, but Lexi didn't but make the bed this morning. Honey. She did. Yeah, she, I know. She, she did. did. She, she did. did. She made it this morning. We, we joke about it. And instead of you, you feeling like I'm dishonoring you or invalidating what's important to you, we just kind of talk it through and we don't make a minor thing a big deal. So if you want to go down a path of misery, just think about how you're not being served by your, your spouse. That that that's guaranteed recipe. Or compare, you will end up miserable, angry, bitter. If you go down the path in your mind of how I'm not being served by my spouse. Now let me let me share this with you. Uh, uh, something it took me a lot of years to learn. When God when God saved us, He gave us a new nature. That nature is like what I'd like to call our spiritual DNA, and that spiritual DNA is Christ's. So in other words, we have been given the nature of Jesus. Now, what's the last illustrated sermon that Jesus left us on the earth was serving? So what does that mean? Our DNA, our spiritual DNA is to serve. So when you are thinking about how you're not being cared for by your spouse, you're actually fighting against your very spiritual DNA. You're giving place to your corruptible person, your corruptible man, which is your flesh. The Bible refers that to your flesh. And that's going to create a lot of turmoil, misery, and hopelessness in you. Yeah. And comparison comes in on that. I remember thinking, I wish John was more like this other husband. I wish he would treat me like this other husband treats their wife. I wish John... And then all of a sudden, that couple's getting divorced. And I'm like, okay, Maybe I'm really glad that John and I have the relationship that we have rather than comparing our relationship with other people that we don't even know what's going on in their household. Okay. And then we're going to close out with the number four. Number four is... Rightly related is better than being right. That's so important. What, what, what does that look like? What does rightly related look like? So than being you right? and I are very, very much... We could have been lawyers, both of us. And when we got into a situation that we didn't see eye to eye, we would keep giving the reasons of why the other one was wrong. And it kept spiraling down to more frustration, less kind talk conversation, and to the point of frustration. Rather than sitting there going, is, is this hill, and this I'm going to use an old term, is this hill really worth dying on right now? Is, is, do I really want to prove that my point is right to the expense of our harmony. Now, when it comes to truth, when it comes to what the Word of God says, that's a h- another whole arena. 
But when we're talking about, you know, jazz being the very best music and jazz Lisa not, not seeing that yet. not the best music. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's when I knew I would get a rise on. I'd much rather find something that we have common ground on. I'd rather be uh, just silent about the matter if I feel like I really am right on something. If it's something now that we're, we're talking about that's actually getting hysterical and funny, like I'm more Italian than you are, or you're more Italian than I, that's okay. But be very careful that you understand it's more important to be united and walking together as one rather than to be right. So again, I love that you said we're not talking about issues of faith. We're not talking about moral issues. We're talking about just proving a point. Just, you know, being maybe like I, I want my opinion to be heard more than I want to actually be in a right relationship with you. And there's been times that we had to learn that we could stop having an argument before we proved our point. Like we could just say, you know what? That's interesting we're going to go to bed and we're not going to fight with each other. And we're not going to talk about anymore until maybe we're, we're rested and we're not triggered. And your relationship with me and my relationship with you is more important to us than proving a point. And two people that like to be right, that was a major obstacle to overcome. So there's a spiritual truth and then we'll bring closure. God says in Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. That's where he commands the blessing. So I want you to think about that. If you look at the upper room, it really wasn't a wise decision that Peter made to do a lottery system to pick the next apostle. And the guy that won the lottery, Matthias, go read about it. He's never heard about in the Bible again because Paul was God's choice to replace Judas. But yet, I love how the scripture says, and if that happened today, there would have been a church split. It would have been, oh, no way. We're going to do what Jesus did. We're going to fast and pray and, and pick the apostle, whoever God speaks. The other group said, no, we've always, you know, they've always done it this way by casting lots, doing a lottery system, and God always blesses that. The Bible says they were one accord in one place, and the, and the power and the presence of God fell and changed the city. So if you sit there and you think, okay, I'm going to be right in this argument with my spouse, you've just lost probably the power, the presence, and the anointing of God on your marriage to prove a point. That's not what's important. What's important is endeavoring to keep unity of the faith. Yeah, and we're not asking for compromise. Not compromise. We're not talking about, we're we're not talking talking about, about kindness. Yep. We're talking about priorities and values. And agreeing to disagree. If yeah. we just sit there and go, you know what? We just disagree and let's just hold, be on yeah. a holding pattern here until we can get an agreement. Yeah. That's, That's what awesome. we've learned. Well, we only covered four. I'm going to just summarize them before you close. Okay. Celebrate one another's strength. Attack the problem, not each other. You will be the happiest when you're mindful of your spouse rather than thinking of yourself. And rightly related is better than always being right. So Lisa, we've got right. a Classical marriage. music is better. <laughs> than jazz we have a marriage brain (laughs) and you know what let's keep peace and we won't go there no i'm joking we have a a, a book called the story of marriage and um there is a lot of rawness in that book a lot of mistakes that we made that we share and how god showed us the more of the his wisdom on how to handle those situations practicalities like there's things you can work your way through and John, this and is, here's the this good is on news. The app, isn't it? It's on the app. Both what? the course and the book are on the app. 
and the app is no charge at all. We've invested, I mean, not when I say we, I'm talking our about partners. our partners Amazing have invested $11 million in developing this X. It's called Messenger X. There is no charge to use it. We have over 40 courses. We have eight audio books. And one of them is the story of marriage. And so we just want to encourage you, if you haven't already done it, it's amazing. I still meet people I haven't done it. We're getting like, just last night, we had 2,000 brand new users come on yesterday. I, I discovered that. I, but lately, John, I've been having more and more people bring up that they are watching the story of marriage course on the app. And they're reading the book and saying that it's really been convicting, but also empowering them with tools they actually did not know that they needed to build a healthy marriage. And that's all on the app. Yep. And there's no the chart. App. Messenger X. So no you space. go to the app store, go to Messenger X, or you go to Google Play. If you got an Android, go to Messenger X, or if you just want to use your computer, MessengerX.com. Please, please, we ask one thing, please give it to your friends. Please share it with everybody you know. Okay. Yeah. And if you want to sew into it, we also receive gifts. And don't forget yeah. to look for At Home with the Bevere's, our brand new podcast. Yeah. And do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the program because it's going to help more people to be able to get the message. We love you guys. And until next time. This has been Conversations with John and Lisa Bevere, 40 years. Thanks for listening to Conversations with John and Lisa. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows in the Messenger Podcast Network, including The Godmother with Lisa Bevere and Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters. You can also connect with John and Lisa through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget, you can download the Messenger X app today in the App Store. Until next time.